why do you like YouTube ads? YouTube is interesting because it feels like a platform where pretty much every demographic, every age demo, location demo, everyone uses it. Facebook and for example, Instagram is all about interruption. It's all about scrolling. And as soon as you're bored, like for a fraction of a second, you just keep scrolling or something. Whereas YouTube, there's really nothing to scroll. What was going to be the best ad? What was going to define the best ad? Was it going to be, oh, a surprise emotion generally in the first few seconds? Was it going to be like, you know, excitement or something like that? What we found, interestingly, none of us expected this. Ian, thanks for being here. Thanks, man. Thanks, thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Thank you. So where are you located at the moment? I'm actually in uh, in Sweden, so Stockholm, Sweden. Do you live there? Yeah, yeah, live in Sweden. Uh, my wife's grandfather's name is actually Sven, also. So fun. Oh, fact. that's cool. Yes, Sven is actually a very <laughs> Swedish name. <laughs> it's a Swedish yeah, name. Very actually. Swedish. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. However, I'm half German, half Korean, so I'm not really Swedish. But my father wanted uh, okay. to be able to call me like. A very short name. He likes short names. The other alternative was Max. So you want to say Max or Sven or something like that. Um, so, yeah, for me, I didn't like the name in the beginning, but by now I, I've gotten used to it. And your your name is quite name. like, it sounds a bit Hungarian. Do you have a Hungarian origin? Yeah. Yeah, so um, my, yeah, my first name's Ian, is Scottish, mm -hmm. apparently. And then... Um, My last name is, so I grew up in the U.S., but my, my, my dad's family uh, is from Hungary. Uh, and um, so it's the most common name in Hungary. They say it, Nagy. Nagy. And I, I speak a little bit of Hungarian, but um, it's my pronunciation for anyone who actually speaks it. It's probably way off. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it means great. Yeah. That's nice. It means great, but it basically there's a time in history where everyone got to choose their own name in Hungary. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of people picked that name because they wanted to be great. So <laughs> <laughs> let's make our name great again. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yes. That's cool. That's cool. I didn't know yeah. that someone could pick their name. That, that's pretty. Probably I would have also, I would have chosen a different last name. But yeah, Pla Platte. Platte is a German name. It just means like basically flat. Mm -hmm. So I'm kind of, my last name is flat. <laughs> So, yeah. <laughs> Stable, man. That's stability yeah. right there. Yeah. Gotta think of that. Yeah. yeah. That, that's, yeah. that's the right angle yeah. uh, to, to think, think of. Have you considered living in Hungary? I love Hungary. I mean, as a, as a place um, I visited a fair bit over the past few years, especially. So I'm a Hungarian citizen also. And um, it's beautiful. People are super friendly. Um, the, the landscapes are amazing. Um, food is amazing. And yeah, Budapest is Budapest is one of many amazing cities in Hungary, but it's obviously the one that is, you know, most of us have seen if we've been there. Yeah, I mean, I, I love going there. So yeah, it's a great, it's a great spot. Cool. So um, you are a YouTube expert. Um, why do you like YouTube ads? Yeah, I mean, YouTube is so... Um, YouTube is interesting because it feels like a platform where pretty much every demographic, every um, age demo, location demo, everyone 
uses it. So whether you're looking for things to be entertained or to instruct, YouTube is kind of our one-stop knowledge repository, entertainment repository for, you know, for, for modern culture. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's just, it's fascinating. And, you know, video as a media is, uh, you know, until we really crack the code on me- on the metaverse, <laughs> um, it's uh, it's really the most immersive and most you know, there's multi sensory situation. So um, it's always been fascinating, and just the scale of YouTube in particular for all that is is wild. I think last time I looked, it was like 600 hours a minute are uploaded to YouTube. Uh, 600 hours of new content are uploaded every minute. So there's just all these new crazy niches happening. And, mm. um, so much going on there it's it's wild so yeah it's a fascinating environment and uh yeah we love we love making youtube ads and uh helping companies scale with youtube and we're so nerdy about youtube that we actually built a a youtube ad library called vidtal that i think we have like almost a million ads that we track in there it's free you go in and search for 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 your ads and uh, it's just cool to see how people approach it and uh what works. It's always surprising too. So yeah, just really enjoy it. Okay. Uh, how do you see YouTube advertising versus the other platforms, Facebook and Google? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a good question. I mean, so Facebook is really, I would say, you got to think of the context. It's a very, inter- it's an interruptive ad platform, right? We're kind of there mm-hmm. a lot of times. We're not really there with any specific intention. We're just scrolling, you know, checking our, what our friends are doing people we look up to, et cetera. And then boom, there's an ad. And then we click on it out of curiosity. You know, we go through that experience. Whereas YouTube, people typically go there uh, to, like I said before, either be entertained um, or to, to learn something. So education mm-hmm. and entertainment, and it's a much more immersive environment. We're usually going there, we, we see a video on the, you know, we look for it or it's on the sidebar, we click it. We sit there with an intention to actually pay attention for you know, a minute, an hour, whatever the case may be. And then boom, in that sort of immersive moment up comes an in-stream ad. So um, that's what's interesting too about the platform is that basically if you're able to tap into that sort of very intention-oriented mindset, um, there's a lot more, I'd say, value in the kind of people that you can attract off of YouTube versus Uh, some other platforms. Consequently, it's also more expensive traffic. So, um, you know, it's just like anything else, supply and demand. But um, yeah, that's that's one, definitely one big difference on the uh, on the on the on the content on the you know platform side. And this more immersive experience watching YouTube is it for you like the foundation or the reason why one might be more successful? Um, doing advertising there? Yeah, I think, you know, um, to give you a, like a sort of a, the spectrum of ads that can work really well on YouTube, sometimes it'll be, uh, you know, we're talking, we're talking here, I think we're in the performance marketing context where we're looking for to identify specific ads, campaigns, et cetera, that drive specific actions. So, you know, very trackable. Not really branding as much, um, which is a, to- a totally other topic that's super powerful and interesting. We're actually 
doing some stuff in that space now around uh, really you know omni-channel um, attribution with uh, media mix modeling and stuff like that. But um, specific to you know what ads work in this sort of immersive environment, you can really tell the full story of a product with a good video. Mm-hmm. So we'll have you know if anyone's running you know I know Digi's got a lot of offers running with video sales letters, right? Yeah. So that kind of that kind of format for advertising can work extremely well on YouTube. And in fact, we'll run slightly modified hour-long video sales letters mm-hmm. as in-stream ads. Meaning, you've probably seen it. I'll go. I'll go there to watch, you know, my favorite Justin Bieber video, right? And then mm-hmm. I see an hour-long video sales letter pop up. I'll watch it. I'll click and I'll buy. Same session that happens at scale. Um, so you can tell a long story, you can tell a short story, stuff that's very easy to understand with a very clear value proposition. Things like really interesting physical products, etc. You know, maybe you need two minutes to sell it, but you're still making a complete sales argument in that two minutes, and then mm-hmm. people are clicking and buying. So yeah, people can definitely you can really get people on board with what it is that you're trying to communicate very easily because of this immersive environment, because people in some respects have blinders. Because Mm -hmm. if you can capture their attention effectively in the first five, 10 seconds, and then, you know, um, cultivate that attention over the rest of the video, then people really, they really focus. It's it's surprising. And they will buy just off those single videos. Oh yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense to me because if I think about it, like Facebook and, for example, Instagram is all about interruption. Like it's all about scrolling and you're like in a natural natural inclination to, you know, you're inclined to scroll and to, you know, as soon as you're bored, like for a fraction of a second, you, you just keep, you know, scrolling or something. Whereas YouTube, there's really nothing to scroll. Like you would have to type in in the search bar like a new word or something that you're interested in and then look at the results and then... You know, it's the scrolling is just like before you watch a video, and and yeah, and if if the ad captures your attention as a viewer, then you might let you know forget about the video you wanted to see, you wanted to watch, you just look at the ad. It's it's very cool. Yeah, it, it makes a lot of sense. So, what kind of products do you think are more inclined to have success with YouTube? Um, do you think there is like specific ones? Of course, we talk obviously the, the long form sales letter ones that uh, otherwise would be like on a web page with a long form sales letter. Uh, these are usually, you know, information product, like little things that, that you would sell. Um, but do you see like for what kind of products it would make sense and for what it wouldn't make sense? to advertise on YouTube or is it like a great thing for each and every product type? Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's a good question. I think, um, I'll speak from our experience. So we've managed at our agency, we managed over $150 million on YouTube advertising and mostly for products in the, on the front end price point of around, you know, around a hundred dollars. So like 50 to a hundred dollars, mm-hmm. sometimes lower. Um, and sometimes higher, but kind of that's the, if you were to look at like a, a graph, like a distribution graph, that would be kind of where everything's concentrated. Um, so price point, I would say, uh, side note on that, there's a significant amount also with the sort of high ticket 
call funnel type stuff. Um, you've done that to a lesser degree. That can work really well on YouTube. I think some other people are probably have a lot more experience with that than us, but still firsthand, I've seen it can work really well. So we're talking about selling people on a sales call to get on a sales call. And then they buy like a $5,000 thing, mm -hmm. coaching program, whatever. But yeah, for us, you know, um, e-commerce, something that's interesting and unique, um, where again, the value proposition is very clear and work very well on YouTube. Software can work extremely well on YouTube. It solves a specific problem and you can demonstrate the problem. Uh, we, that's probably by volume, probably our biggest niche. Mm -hmm. Um, and then definitely, you know, anything that, uh, uh, health products, uh, beauty products, amazing on YouTube, uh, you know, skin creams, um, cosmetics, different kinds of beauty, um, enhancers, so to speak. So if you can demonstrate the value visually very easily, then it can, it can be sold on YouTube. And if mm -hmm. you can't, then you need a longer, you might need a longer sort of, um, you know, marketing argument, so to speak, like you would see with the 45 minute VSL. Yeah. It's, it's, it's amazing that they allow it. You know, it's the same company. It's Google. Google owns YouTube. Google doesn't like long form sales, little web pages. They blog ads to those things, but they allow it in their YouTube advertising system. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. They charge. It's interesting too. Side note is, um, they, you just got to think of the opportunity cost for Google. If someone's watching a 45 minute sales letter, think of how many ads they would have typically seen over the course of a 45 minute YouTube session where they're watching, you know, 50 videos. Um, so you do pay a premium for that kind of length of video, mm. but under around three minutes, you're not really, you know, it's kind of all things are sort of equal, but, um, but it is interesting how, how that is. I mean, they just want us to spend, they want us to spend money on there, mm -hmm. uh, without too many complaints from, from viewers and without affecting the, you know, the viewers, uh, session or satisfaction with the platform to a degree that makes them not come back. So that's what they're always trying to balance. Mm -hmm. I see if, if I wanted to start advertising on YouTube and if, if I had to do it myself instead of using an agency or for example, your agency, um, what, what are the steps? What, how, how can I get started from your perspective? Yeah, I mean, so um, I would say that. So let's just, so in this hypothetical situation, do you have? Uh, are you already running ads on another platform, or are you just starting from scratch entirely? I would say, like, we, we I mean, my my uh, company, Digital Twenty Four, we have run ads on YouTube as well before. But if let's just assume someone is just getting started, um, how would they start the best and if they would choose like YouTube as their first sales and advertising channel. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, so, uh, the first thing really is, you know, understanding your, your, is your business metrics, you know, what can you comfortably, comfort, comfortably afford to spend to acquire a customer? Mm -hmm. What are you typically making on the back end of that customer? Let's say day 30, day 60 and all that. So getting clear on your business metrics first and foremost, mm -hmm. so that, you know, like, spending $500, thousand dollars. How are you, how are you looking? Are you 20% over where you want to be? Or are you like 200% over where you want to be? Or are you under? That's the first step. 
Um, the second step is really before you innovate, emulate. So um, I think I didn't make that up. It's, I think uh, I heard that from mm -hmm. Ryan Levesque somewhere. Um, and um, basically, so look and see what other people are doing in your space. And so I would look, obviously look on YouTube. So there's there are many research tools out there. Obviously, we have our own um, free one, Vital, but, um, uh, you know, AdBeat is a really good one as well. Uh, they're similar web, all these, all these things. So you can see what other ads different type of people are running. And you can see like which ones performed versus which ones didn't perform by volume, basically. Um, the views are a proxy for ad spend on these videos because they're typically unlisted mm -hmm. videos, not publicly listed videos if they're ads. So um, see what your competitors are doing and then start breaking them down. So what we like to do is We'll, uh, on YouTube, you can actually, you can download a timestamp transcript of a video. So there's a little, I think in the lower right corner, there's a little like dialogue box and, uh, you can basically click on it and you'll get a you know, timestamp with the transcript, um, showing up right there and you can just copy and paste it and then dump it into a uh, spreadsheet and then look and see each frame for these really good videos that you know are performing well. What are they trying? What's their intention with this frame? What are they trying to do here? And you'll notice um, there's a couple really big areas you need to focus on for, for YouTube specifically, which is the first 10 seconds and the call to action sort of end of the video. First mm -hmm. 10 seconds is by far the most important because what happens is um, at 10 seconds, if someone's watching your video, it's what happens is Google labels that an engagement. Mm -hmm. So, if someone watches your video past 10 seconds, or if, if at any point they actually click on the video to go to the, the next page, uh, it's an engagement. And the higher, in, with, with more engagements, with more higher engagement rate, you'll pay less. Your, your cost per traffic, you know, your CPMs are going to go down. We've actually seen this. Um, we, we had this one campaign we were running for, I think it was like two months with zero changes. It was exactly the same budget. Nothing, nothing changed this whole time. And um, so it was a unique experiment. And we could see very clearly that as uh, our engagement rate went up, the cost of traffic went down. It was like a direct relationship. It was literally like mm -hmm. mirrored each other. Um, we see this time and time again. So getting people to stay, stay past that first 10 seconds is crucial. Um, so, you know, seeing what people are doing there and then, and then emulating that for your own, for your own hooks and, and that sort of thing. Um, and then the last part of the video, the call to action, just having a comp compelling reason to click through and go to the next step in the funnel. So, mm -hmm. you know, hammering on this is this week only, or, you know, through this video, this is, there's a special offer through this video, whatever the case may be. Um, that's, that's super important. So yeah, research, see how, how people are approaching this. Um, mm -hmm. and then start to model some of these findings that you discover for your own ads. And then you don't have to get, you know, once you have that knowledge, you don't have to get, go crazy and get like a hire, like a, someone with a, a red camera, you know, like a, you know, mm. $100,000 camera, like our, where's my phone? Um, our, our iPhones or smartphones these days are amazing. And you can do yeah. a lot, a lot, a lot of these things. So, um, and you'll see a lot of people leveraging that on ads where they're spending like, you know, two, $3 million on a single ad. 
Um, so don't, don't underestimate that. It's really about, you know, the messaging, um, and, uh, how you connect with the needs that your audience has. And to that, to that, you know, that's something that's, that's, yeah, super important. Um, and we're like, there's been all these, historically, there's been all these ways that people have done that, tested these things. And I remember, I think some contemporary of David, David Ogilvy, my, my business partner was reading this book you told me about. It's uh, Truth in Advertising. I haven't read it yet, but it's supposedly really good. So basically the way they would do is um, they would, in Times Square, these big companies, uh, marketing agencies, they would, this is back in like the forties. So Times Square, New York City, middle of New York mm-hmm. City, they would have a, like hire a theater, like an actual like play theater. And then they would pull people off the street and get them to watch basically the, the messaging acted out for a com- proposed commercial. And then mm-hmm. after they watched that, they would ask them, Hey, you know, uh, what do you remember about this? And then, so they would kind of assess whether or not what they're trying to communicate was actually communicated to the prospective audience. And so that allowed them to, you know, if, if people aren't understanding what it is that you're trying to say, first and foremost, and you're not really, uh, whether or not your, your performance, um, follows is not really because you're actually testing the marketing message just because, you know, it wasn't communicated properly, communicated effectively. So that's kind of a pre-step before actually, um, you know, testing. So, um, to that end, we're, we're actually experimenting with some tools in that space, but like for our prospective first time YouTube advertiser here, you know, when you come up with these ads, run them, run it by your friends, like run it by people who, you know, who are in the space who might be interested and see what kind of qualitative feedback you get on, on your ads, um, that you shot with an iPhone, get that concept up iteratively, uh, build off that, of course, but you can just shoot the most minimum viable product ad, test the messaging. And you'll see mm-hmm. like, um, there's a, if you look in Vital, there's actually a, there's a, this company called Sales Mentor and they have, it's uh, Taylor Welch and Chris Evans are these guys, the owners, but they basically, the way that they test ads is really interesting is they'll shoot like a voiceover with a, with a uh, text only PowerPoint. They'll shoot that. And they'll test that as an ad. And then when they'll test variations in that format and whatever wins from that, they'll go and level up and shoot an actual live video. Same exact scripts. You can see this, you'll see in the timeline too, like first draft ad PowerPoint, spending, 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 they're spending like hundred K on it. And then all of a sudden they stop spending. But at the same time, they launched this sort of version two of that ad that they end up spending, you know, multiple millions of dollars on. So it's, it's super, super interesting. And I, don't be afraid as a new advertiser of a video. Um, you can start super, super simply. Every month that goes by, there are more and more tools that make it even easier for folks to actually launch the videos. Thank you. This is very interesting because um, do, do you think that, so, so we're talking about production complexity, right? Like, so, so the, the ads that they would like have, as like a successor of the uh, text uh, ad video video ads, uh, they're like actually like produced. There's people, maybe actors, and saying stuff. Did I understand that correct? And can you say that is that always converting better versus the pure text sales letter thing? 
I mean, we don't. The predecessor. Yeah, I mean, the way that most of our clients, uh, they want things to be, be presented in a certain way as sort of a baseline. Mm-hmm. We don't typically operate with the PowerPoint style um, mm-hmm. as like our starting point. But I'll say, so to answer the question more broadly, no. <laughs> when, when you increase the production value, it does not always increase conversions. In fact, sometimes it hurts conversions, all things being equal. Yeah. So sometimes the sort of low budget stuff, we have actually a, a one client who's done really well, who sells like a, some survival stuff. And Mm -hmm. we'll have him shoot like videos in the trunk of his car and just kind of rummaging through stuff. And it's very shaky and, Mm -hmm. you know, it's clearly shot on a, someone holding an iPhone with one hand and then kind of, you know, doing the thing with the other hand. And that same script, that same video, but professionally done doesn't work nearly as well. So, you know, it's one of these things. uh, Yeah, it's uh if you have a winning ad with one format, it can be really interesting to to run a test where you change the format, keep everything else the same. So you never mm-hmm. know what's going to resonate or who it's going to resonate with. That's interesting. Why do you think that like these more low production value um, videos perform better than the high end videos? What do you personally think is that the case? And is it always the case? No, it's never. It's not. It, it's not always the case. In fact, um, it depends on the context. So um, you can just imagine, like if you're if you're going to go get brain surgery, if you're you know looking at YouTube ads for your next brain surgeon or whatever the case may be, you would want the <laughs> you'd want the format to kind of match your expectations of what uh, the mm-hmm. values that a brain surgeon would have, which would be like meticulous attention to detail and uh, clean and like just super very obviously high tech, et cetera. Um, mm-hmm. So, but if it's more of like a, let's say it's like a coaching thing or it's, um, you know, it's a simple product. Um, then a lot of times, you know, showing someone actually using it and just talking enthusiastically about it is, um, can be super interesting. Like it doesn't have mm-hmm. to be high quality at all. So it's the authenticity that shines through and it just dwarfs the mm-hmm. format. In fact, the format, aids that messaging so like we have one client who sells um they do uh i don't know if this is okay to say on the on your show but basically it's a it's a it's a vaginal suppository and it, it basically what's, like what's a vaginal suppository like it's, it's what's a, a pill. suppository so it's a pill it, it's a pill that ah, women okay that women will put in their yeah. vagina to like make it healthier basically and as a consequence of uh, oh, that's cool. Being healthier, sort of uh, balancing the pH and, and bacteria, and, you know, yeah. they they feel more confident about how they smell and just feeling mm. cleaner. And so, women just love this. Uh, it's, it's called V Fresh. Actually, check it out. V Fresh. Uh, v Fresh. Oh, yeah. nice. You know, V Shred. That yes. reminds me of V Shred. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Not the same company, but maybe they could do some uh, cross promotion. You know, in his in his case, it's V for Vince. Yes, not for vagina. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And, and side note on that, I mean, those guys at V-Shred, they are uh, amazing at, at split testing everything and just definitely follow what they do and uh, use that to inform your own split tests. So they're on it. Um, yeah. But yeah, so point is for, 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 for V-Fresh, uh, best ads are always women just spontaneously talking about how it changed their life. And you just capture mm. that emotion and you also capture the sort of the, the story inherent, which is, you know, 
they had this deep insecurity, whether it was valid or not, yeah. that something was wrong with them, you know? And then by this product changed that for them. And now they have this, like, they're able to fully just exist as they are with no shame, you know? And so it's a, it, that emotion is not, you're not going to be able to capture that with a, you know, with an actor. That's just, yeah. right? Oh, yeah, yeah. That's so authentic. I think women can, you know, they can be very self-conscious about, for example, if they smell really intense down there. I think that that can be a problem. You know, they, they might not, you know, uh, be comfortable with oral sex, let's say pa passive oral sex anymore and whatnot. I think that's a very big issue. And I mean, as a guy, you also kind of, you know, You know that like different women smell differently and stuff. Yes, for so sure. I don't know how to say it. Uh, yeah, no, absolutely. In a nice yeah. way, but yeah, yeah. I, I think it's a real life problem, and I, I totally see a market there. And I, I just find the product very creative and very like, oh, someone really thought about a problem and how to solve it. And so, does does it really work? Yeah, yeah. Is women, it like, I mean, you should see the 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 unsolicited feedback they get on this product is ridiculous mm -hmm. and the, the the companies a it's a part they're uh, uh i think they're married husband and wife boyfriend and girlfriend team um and they the, the wife actually created it so she created it for herself first and foremost and so it has you know again coming back to what works and what doesn't work anytime you can have a story incorporated like a sort of creation story you'll see this all the time with video sales letters Or even like mm -hmm. you see this in these e-commerce ads that are like AI voiceovers on YouTube, where it's like this dental tool was created by a doc, a, a dentist who was tired of the industry ripping off his innocent patients. You know, there's this whole like, mm -hmm. you know, yeah. industry insider revealing the, you know, the shady dealings and, and saving, saving the, the little guy kind of hero, humble hero journey type thing. Um, so anytime you can incorporate that story and, Even better if it's a real story. Uh, it, it's, it's people really relate to that. And, uh, I think stories can be told really well with these ads uh, on YouTube. And so that's another sort of you know, story taps into. Oh, yeah. We've been telling stories around the campfire for as long as humans have been able to talk. And probably even before that, we were, you know, making some crazy sign language. <laughs> so we, we have that need yeah. to kind of relate via story. Yeah, totally. Um, I think videos are the best storytelling tool ever so i i also advertise uh, this podcast uh, through videos on youtube we nice. do youtube ads for nice for these things it nice. kind of makes sense and if someone wants to check it out it's it's really cool yeah um we have a software company i run a software company and do you think that um i i can also like be successful with, with software which you mentioned before because I cannot really showcase, you know, like like companies that that have computers, iPhones, um, you name it, perfumes that you could showcase. Um, I you know I don't have physical things that look nice on pictures or on videos. How can I, as a software as a service company, um, create an ad that really works? It's great. It's a great question. I think it comes down to really creating what we like to call an ownership experience. So mm -hmm. showing people how your software solves a problem that they have and showing them just how like 
easy it is. You know, you, you have this comparison of kind of before and after. You look at these, you've seen ClickUp and Monday and all these, um, you know, these, mm. these uh, project management tools. You know, they'll show, sometimes they'll show these before and after. Like, I was trying to project manage on a Google Sheet and it was a pain. And now I'm here, it's mm-hmm. just, it's almost like fun to project manage because you're dragging these little things around. There's these little sounds, you know. Um, so, I mean, that's the, that's a, a, a key thing. What, what, what is the software to do specifically? Yeah, Digistore 24, we, we are a oh, online retailer. Yes. Or I'm very familiar. Yeah, yeah I, I know. So, yes, absolutely. So, okay. So, so walk me through right now. What's the first touch point when, how are you, how are you acquiring, like with paid ads, how are you acquiring, acquiring new users to Digistore? Honestly, we don't acquire new users to Digistore with paid ads. We have another software that's called Coa Channel. Um, it basically is a mixture of a WYSIWYG, what you see is what you get, editor for landing pages. So you can make sales pages, whole websites, mm-hmm. uh, any type of landing page. You can modify it. You can add and change text and videos and pictures and whatnot. And you have a membership tool, a membership area. Basically, I kind of wanted to replace um, WordPress. Yeah, I I wanted to replace WordPress with all the, you know, like for these specific functions. Of course, WordPress is a a tool that has all kinds of possible, you know, uh, plugins and, you know, software that runs on it. But for this specific use for landing pages, sales pages, and membership areas, I wanted I wanted to have a WordPress alternative because so many people are using WordPress, but it's not very secure. Mm-hmm. And to me, software security matters a lot. Mm-hmm. And you know, I wanted to have less bugs, and you all have all these issues. Like we as Digistore Twenty Four, we know that you know there is customers who have issues with like plugins, you know, fight kind of fighting each other, and you know creating bugs with each other because of course no plugin programmer has other plugins in mind, you know, so you, you <laughs> yeah. really need to test which ones are compatible. And I just wanted to put an end to that mess, at least for people who need landing pages, sales pages, um, and membership areas. Mm-hmm. That's what we did. It also has like a, a, a smartphone app. So yeah, so that end users can, uh, consume video, video courses offline, even when they're in a plane or something. Uh, but usually, like, this is what we would advertise because Digistore 24 is, like, is, it, is, is too complex mm-hmm. for, like, end consumers to onboard. So they would need, they would need a certain level of, you know, skills uh, about online marketing and being, being able to create websites and have a certain level of marketing knowledge. So we didn't ev- we never did real advertising for that, except for hey we we we're, we're targeting those types of people, those types of entrepreneurs who run uh, you know who who sell stuff online. We target them and we showcase features new features that we have. Uh, for example, um, here a new business cockpit and business cockpit basically tells you all kind of uh, kinds of KPIs, marketing KPIs for your campaigns and for your revenue and and so that you can like you know have some insight into your day marketing data uh, these kinds of things 
but it was like more specific to like more uh, skilled users, more advanced users. Whereas this tool, Coa Channel, with for like landing pages and memberships, this is like someone who just wants to get started can already work with it and understand it. And of course, it's kind of connected to Digistore when when it comes to the payment and the affiliate network. Nice. Yeah, I mean, so you could do you could take a couple approaches there. I mean, one approach that's really strong is let's say you have. You mentioned that it's for people who are just getting started. So let's say you have five people who have used Koa Channel. Is that that's the name? Yeah. So let's say yeah. you have five people who use Koa Channel and, and made their first thousand euros on online, um, and then you just have them talking about. You could stack like very short clips of them talking about it. Like Koa Channel helped me, you know, launch my online business, and, you, and it's boom one, boom the other, boom the other. So you have the first say seven seconds. A few people talking about it, people are going to go, hmm, what's Core Channel? And what's, how's, what does it have to do with mm. online business? And then you kind of get into explaining it a little bit. Um, you can, at that point, you could have like beautiful screenshots of the software and just showing how easy it is to drag mm. and drop and build everything, how it handles everything for you. And then, you know, emphasize the potential security risks of WordPress sites. Like, oh, you know, if you have all these little pop-ups, your site's been hacked again, you know, boom, 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 boom. Mm-hmm. Um, and just kind of twist the knife on the fear a little bit there um, and get people to to uh, recognize that they're going to be more secure with Quad Channel. Um, and then having an amazing offer like, hey, try it for free for 30 days and even have this amazing onboarding course that's going to help you select your first business and actually get it off the ground. We're not just going to like hand you the software and you're going to be sitting there trying to figure out what to do next. We're actually going to hold you mm-hmm. by the hand, you know, all these different things that mm-hmm. it makes it an obvious choice. Um, so that's one approach. Other approach could be more problem focused where let's say people have already targeting people who have already tried and then, you know, maybe have had issues with security or with plugins, like making the design mm-hmm. just all messed up and weird. And then you just leave with that, you know, maybe it's like someone screenshot of someone's face while they're also on screen trying to like drag the, you know, some annoying like text thing. They can't get it in the right place, ah, you know, frustration. And then, transition to uh, coach someone using Koa channel and just, you know, it's so easy and smooth. And oh, by the way, it's helping me make this money, blah, blah, blah. Um, I just, you just, you know, same format as any other uh, marketing media, but it's just, uh, yeah, it's just, it's just with video and getting attention is key because if you don't have yeah. that attention, no one's going to watch 30 seconds in or whatever. You have to like kind of incrementally uh, build that interest right out of, in, right out of the gate. Yeah, absolutely. Like these first 10 seconds that you mentioned for getting the attention. Um, some people even talk about three seconds when it comes, for example, to uh, TikTok mm-hmm. ads. Mm-hmm. Um, do you have like an idea or is it just instinctive? Do you have like tips on how to make the first 10 seconds as great as possible? Yeah. So, and I'll drill down a little bit further, which is, as you know, the first five seconds, you're forced to watch it. So that's sort of your first hurdle is getting people to not skip right away. Right. So that's even 10 seconds is super important. The five seconds is even like critical. Um, so again, see what other people are doing and not just in your market, look at other ads that have a lot of volume and just see, see how they're approaching it. Like that testimonial mashup I just mentioned. That's something that there's a, there's a weight loss app called Noom. It's a big, big company. 
Um, I forget. I think they have like, I want to say they're over, they're a unicorn. They're over a billion dollars in revenue, uh, mm. per year. I, if I'm not mistaken. Um, so they, and they tested a lot of ads. They've done a lot on YouTube. Some of their best ads, they use this technique. They mash up like, you know, testimonial, testimonial, testimonial into like seven seconds, first seven seconds. So you're left, they go, I lost 90 pounds on new, which is, you know, insane. I lost 93 pounds on new. I lost, you know, a hundred pounds on new. And you're like, whoa, is this, is this even like real? What is this? So you kind of, even if you're you just tangentially interested in weight loss, you're going to stick around and learn more. So you can apply that to anything. You can apply that same approach to, um, you know, selling, I was going to say selling fidget spinners, but you probably couldn't do that. But, but if you just, you know, spend a little bit of time brainstorming, you can apply that same format to your own ads. Um, another one is just, let's see what else, um, other formula formulas. Yeah. I mean, I don't have any formulas off the top of my head, but always just see what other people are doing, other companies are doing, and then just think mm-hmm. about like, how can I apply this in my market and don't be limited to your own space. In fact, make it a point to go outside of your space and look in entirely different areas. And that's going to give you fresh ideas that are going to hit different in your space because no one's seen it done like that before. That's very cool. Thank you. Yeah. I think, I think it's really about the hook point in the beginning and whatever the hook point for your target audience is. I mean, I've seen, I've seen really quote stupid stuff like, you know, people burning books. Yeah. Like, Hey, this book is so hot, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, that can uh, be things too. like that. But yeah, I, I think it just has to be like really capturing the attention and like really hooking the viewer in so that he or she wants to stay because they they're they're interrupted. Basically, like from a psychological standpoint, it has to be kind of like a, in my opinion, at least a pattern interruption. Yes. So people are in that kind of mode in. If if you're an, you were a hypnotist, you would say everyone is in a trance and you just want to kind of change the trance a little bit. So whatever someone is focused on, you want to change it to and focus it to something else. And if you want to do that, this is the quote pattern interrupt. And then you and you have to do it in order to interrupt someone's pattern. For example, he's he or she's in the mode of, you know, just click away the advertising to watch the video behind. And if you want to stop that click, you need to do something outrageous. You know, that's why people, for example, burn books. It's like, hey, why is this guy burning a book? Like, huh? And then people start to watch it. I think, yeah. And I think it's very important to say that, or to repeat, that, these first seconds are the most important yeah. because they, they are going to determine everything else. I, I know I remember a lot of ads from V shred, but he kind of lost me later down the road because he never got to a point yeah. and it was so hard. Like <laughs> he would be talking about test levels, the testosterone levels. Yeah. And, and yeah, if you avoid this mistake, then you will optimize your test level. Yeah. But no matter how long you watch, then this one little mistake was never resolved, like ever. Yep. Yep. Exactly. <laughs> he was just talking around it, you know. I got mad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, those guys, especially, I mean, guaranteed, they probably uh, that was probably intentional, you know. 
to kind of yeah lead people along like that in that way and, and then only really deliver the payoff when you actually buy the product so yeah but i mean it's super important the intros are super important in fact um you know when we find a winning ad that is the first thing that we're testing to find to a to avoid ad fatigue because over time yeah. the performance is going to get uh, worse in a lot of cases and just adding a new intro on a, in a, on a good ad, you get mm. many, many variations. I mean, we've had instances where we're spending like 50K a day on an ad. Mm. Same same ad, basically, same basic ad, and then just putting new intros on it for months and and mm -hmm. maintaining those maintaining those results. I mean, that's an outlier, outlier, but that's kind of the general approach is, um, you know, you find a winning ad. I would say 80% of our efforts in testing are going towards when you have a winner, maintaining that winner and trying to maybe incrementally improve it. The 20% mm. is oriented towards like moonshots, which are, you know, we'll have, uh, maybe have a basic voiceover and screenshot, super basic production value control ad. We'll mm. go out and shoot like a comedic direct response ad with actors and just have an entirely mm. different look. And sometimes, you know, that can really move the needle. Um, it just, it just, it just depends. So yeah, I'd say that's the, the, the sort of uh, that's the sort of like testing approach in terms of uh, mm -hmm. just keeping things going and, and continuing to to avoid atrophy over time. Thank you. Do you have any other like interesting success story or case that you could share? Like very successful case of someone you know, a company doing advertising very successfully, other than the vagina thing. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, like, I like that word. <laughs> vagina, yeah. What is it in German, by the way? How do you say it? Vagina. Vag oh, wow. Easy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Quite similar. Yeah. Yeah. That's funny. Um, yeah. What can I, what can I, what can I point to recently? Um, yeah. So we have some, uh, what's interesting is, you know, uh, I would say the last year has been interesting in that we've, I think we figured out, um, a bit how to really sell e-commerce on YouTube before it. I mean, it's always a challenge. Nothing is easy, but um, there's uh, one secret to it, which is have an amazing product <laughs> <laughs> and then show it, you know, show it very, uh, just be very upfront about the value in the product. Just don't beat around the bush. And we'll, we, we will test um, in terms of the intros. We've seen that really leading with, the offer being very straightforward is actually can often be the best way to approach it versus like trying to tease and everything. So mm -hmm. um, don't be afraid to just say, Hey, this is the price point. This is what it does. And here's why, you know, here's a more elaborate um, you know, explanation of what it is and why you should use it. And then reemphasizing that amazing offer. This gives you an example that I think people can take as a take home. Um, so we have one offer, I think we spent like $8 million on ads on this, on this offer. Mm -hmm. And, um, it was all the exact same ad except for the first 15 seconds, 15 to 30 seconds. Um, and so we, you know, we wanted to know like what is making, what is, what, what drives success for these ads? So we did this thing where, um, if, are you familiar with micro expressions? So it's no. like, like when we, our, when we exist, like our face gives away our emotions through these micro movements of our facial muscles and mm -hmm. there's a guy named paul ekman who's uh he's a psychologist and he's 
basically uh, very, very established in the sort of scientific psychology community, um, like police use his work and stuff like that. But um, basically he's uh, documented all the different movements and established like a, a way of quantifying our emotion based on our facial movements. And so we actually did this thing where we, we did a facial, like an emotional recognition analysis of uh, cohorts of people watching these videos. So these eight, this $8 million in spend. And um, so we have arousal, depression, like, uh, um, and then like, uh, what is it? Positive, negative. So there's like this, these, these four axes. And we thought our hypothesis was, you know, the best ad is going to be best ad as defined by uh, what we spent the most on because the CPA was the best. So uh, mm-hmm. what we got, what was going to be the best ad? What, what was going to define the best ad? Was it going to be, oh, a, a surprise emotion generally in the first few seconds? Was it going to be like, um, you know, excitement, something like that? What we found, interestingly, nothing, none of us expected this, but um, it was the ad that actually had the least by far emotional impact of any of the ads because it led with the price and it led with the offer right away. So people were very clear, oh, this is an ad. Um, so like they're, they, they're in that mindset, like, oh, there's something to buy. Um, I'm interested in it and so on some level, I'm going to keep watching it. Um, you know, it's not wasting my time. Obviously this might not, this format might not work in every situation. In fact, if you tried to sell like a, mm. you know, a, a, a detox supplement or something like that, it probably wouldn't work at all. But, um, yeah, so that was mm-hmm. that was interesting. That was kind of the emotional signature of, of the best performing ads in that case. So test those intros and don't be afraid to to lead with the offer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I, I'm trying to figure out like when when does it make sense to lead with the offer? Probably if people already have like kind of like a notion about the price point that would make sense, and if you can like make it cheaper or more expensive and Uh, probably if you can make it cheaper than people believe, like if I would say, Hey, I can like, I have this great source for getting amazing car, luxury cars from Dubai. And I can give them to you like at 50% off because like I have a a special source for getting them. Um, Then people might be drawn to the price point in the beginning versus a supplement. Yeah. Yeah. It's like the prices. They form. have like a preconceived notion. Yeah, for sure. You're, you're not having to, it's clear like, okay, yeah, that's a reasonable price for this result that it's very obvious that I'm going to get because you're showing, showing it to me. Like same thing with exercise equipment, mm-hmm. you know, it's oh for, Oh yeah. This thing gives you a six pack and it's for today only you can get it for $30 and that's 50% off the normal, normal price. It's like, okay. If I want to, you know, if I'm interested in some equipment for my abs, then maybe it makes sense to buy it. It's like very straightforward. Um, the product is the marketing, really. That's what it comes down to versus like, you know, for a, a, like a supplement or something like that, where you have to, you know, you're not going to see results right away. You have to really believe in the mechanism behind it and all these things. It just takes a lot longer to establish that kind of chain of beliefs to get people to consider uh, what they might how they might benefit by taking the product. Yeah, I think I think it 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 makes sense to, you know, to choose wisely whether you want to talk about the price or not. Um but I think it's good to test it and maybe it even works 
in situations you wouldn't expect it uh, to work. It's it's uh, yeah, it's pretty interesting. Um, have you had any clients um, that were able to scale, for example, social media profiles through YouTube ads? Has anyone tried that or wanted to do it? That's a good point. A good question. No, no I, I don't have any experience with that. I know um, there's a couple. I know there's a guy. Um, there's a guy, Adam Link, Linkenauer, I think his name is. Um, he's on, just, you look him up on Facebook. He uh, does a lot of YouTube organic stuff. And then um, uh, Amp, Amplify is a British company that does some stuff in that space as well, more around the organic side, like building up channels, mm -hmm. that sort of thing. Uh, I heard, I've heard of other people doing like discovery ads to build up channels, subscribers, but um, no, we've, we don't really, we're, mm -hmm. we usually are just looking for, uh, you know, dollars in, dollars out type of scenarios. Yeah. But I, that, all that is extremely interesting. And I think that as a side note on that, uh, you know, a, a YouTube channel is an amazing, having a YouTube channel is an amazing sort of asset like an email list is because yeah. every time you push something out to those people, uh, you know, it's like showing up with pole position in their feed on YouTube. They're probably getting, even getting alerts in, in their email. And um, you can advertise to these folks as well. So this is another sort of like fun thing to do. If you're doing like a JV promo or anything where you want to interface with a bunch of other people who have audiences, you can get access as an admin or what is it? Uh, brand manager on your YouTube channel. You can give access to ad accounts. And then so you can advertise, you know, let's say I paid money to advertise to your audience through your YouTube channel where you're talking about my product. And I would use your affiliate mm. affiliate link. So it's like my dollars, uh, you're making money out when people buy because it's your affiliate link to your audience, which is completely fair. Um, but it's like, you know, low risk to you, um, you know, great opportunity for me. It's a massive win. So we've done very big like product launches in that way using Facebook, mm. but also YouTube, um, like dark posting is what they call it, I think. But um, that's super powerful. So don't underestimate the power of having this this uh, this list, or sorry, this uh, this audience, the YouTube yeah. audience. That's what, actually, you know, I'm kind of like the CEO of my company, so I, um, I I'm like still kind of leading it, even though I don't have that formal position anymore. But like, it was a very hard decision for me whether to start the podcast, which is basically a YouTube channel, and it's also distributed on iTunes, etc., and Spotify. So, but but I really saw the value. I, I'm, you know, we're at the moment we're in kind of like an economic crisis worldwide, inflation and wars and crazy stuff. But I think the like the true wealth and let's say yours. Uh, insurance is really eyeballs. It's attention on the internet. And so I think it's super valuable to have a YouTube channel and to do this work. And, and I mean, it takes forever to build that nowadays, to be honest, like, you know, to get to my first like thousand subscribers took like a year or so easily. Mm, yeah. So that that's not much. And especially it's uh, silly for a big company. I mean, it, just imagine we have like almost... Two million 
user accounts at wow. the store 24 2 million amazing. and the youtube channel has what thousand people or thousand something people it's it's a joke but you know it, it's just a very very slow curve if you do it organically and then at some point there will be of course if it's interesting there will be like a turning point and then exponential curves go like this like they they you know the ascension is very slow so yeah but but i still think it's very valuable for the reason that you said it's like an email list you can reach people directly and you can all you can also um have a relation kind of a relationship with them like if someone likes the likes to be in touch with you and you cannot meet them because you live in different parts of the world and everyone's really busy and but if you want to kind of stay in touch then here's a touch point like let's say you're invited you're a public speaker or something you're invited to for example tedx or to a new audience you can funnel them then into your youtube channel and that's not that's that's you know that's less quote spammy than saying hey here's my join my email list or something mm -hmm. if you want to get updates this is like you know more it's a little bit more like friendly and non-spammy if i may for, for lack of a better word for sure. um so i think it's really nice to have that but it's a huge investment it takes a lot of time it takes a lot of preparation mm -hmm. you know every conversation has to be really well prepared and um you know production and team and like so sometimes i thought to myself like am i, I am i crazy i have to run this billion dollar company and now now i'm like you know trying to make cool youtube videos like is, isn't that weird but no i think you know sometimes i have this you know inner conflict you know this dichotomy where it's like does it really make sense but yes i think it does make sense i think it's good and it has for example helped a lot with uh mostly with um recruiting mm. like people who are interested in working with a company and they will kind of want to want to get to know us and how right. we think how we are right. they all watched that yeah some episodes of that podcast even business people who wanted to you know whom i got introduced to by someone else they watched a few episodes of the podcast in order to get an idea of what kind of guy i am and what i'm about how how it feels with me kind of like so that's that's a very interesting effect yeah not just the view counts yeah, it's, it is super interesting. And like a, to be a nerd for a second, you know, when you have someone go check out your YouTube video and they, and they watch, they watch the video, that's also an audience you can follow up with as well. So with that, you can follow up because those are, those are also audiences. And, um, yeah, I mean, it is interesting, you know, like nowadays there's this, there's all this talk about attention span, uh, um, yeah. decay and all this. Interestingly, so I, did a bit of digging on this and there's, there isn't, it's, it's actually, you know, if you're, the, if you're this goldfish attention span thing where people have, yeah. So apparently this is like a, an example of an urban myth that was perpetuated online because it got picked up by uh, Microsoft on some weird blog. Mm -hmm. And then it got pushed onto CNN and all these different places. Point is there's actually no science, at least that they say behind this attention span myth that human attention span is decreasing. In fact, um, when they look at global IQ scores over the past, um, let's say 75 years, our IQ has gone up like very, un very interestingly. And they've, they've dug a little bit deeper and they found that it's because 
we're performing better and better on these visual processing tasks. It's part part of the part of the um, part of the IQ test where it measures how fast we and effectively we can uh, process visual visual information. And the reason is hypothesis is at least the reason is is because you know compare what your life is now, like how much visual information you process on a daily basis versus you know mm-hmm. fifty years ago or even before TV. Imagine that. Imagine what it was like to be a peasant in Italy in 1502 or whenever it was and see the Mona Lisa, see like a photorealistic image painted on paper. When you have no books, you probably don't even know how to read. You don't even have books in your house. You're like, there, and your visual input is literally reality around you. And then you see an image, mm. Whoa, right? Compare that to now. There's no, like, we're not seeing the same reality that we were then. It's, it's, it's all, um, how yeah. we process is so, so different. So basically the hypothesis is, uh, we've built visual processing supercomputers by being exposed to more and more media, you know, watching more movies, TV comes out and now we have, you know, smartphones, social media, four plus hours a day. Um, our brains are just like world class at this, this particular skill set now, um, so we need like faster cuts. We need faster, like faster uh, transitions. Mm-hmm. Otherwise we get bored. If you look at a movie from like 1945 versus a movie from today, it's like, you can't even, it's, 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 it's not the same media. Really. It's like a totally different thing. And they've actually done analysis on this where they've seen, they've looked looked to see like how long the cut, the shot lengths are in videos from like 1950 to today. And it's just massively smaller. Right. So, mm-hmm. you know, Pro tip, right, for all of us advertisers is respect that. Respect the fact that, you know, people don't want to be bored. And so rapid, you know, quick, quick cuts, making things tight like that is super important. But same time, what I was, you know, this long winded <laughs> uh, point I was trying to make is basically mm. nowadays, um, we're still so primed for long form content, like podcasts, like, mm. um, you know, People listen to podcasts for three hours all the time. We're like, uh, you know, hardcore history, like listening to 20 episodes about Genghis Khan, you know, uh, people do mm. this now. And it's like, we have both ends of the spectrum. People are primed to, for this very short, like, you know, uh, mm. rapid fire processing of information to not be bored. And then also more than ever, we get to immerse ourselves in stories and like getting to know people. Like you're saying, people watch your podcast and then get to know you through that, that method. And they form a connection. Whereas, you know, before they have to do that in person. So it's like this unique opportunity we have today on both ends of the spectrum. Um, that's you know kind of, kind of interesting to think about. Well, thank you. That's really cool because this is the very first time I hear, I'm hearing that people are, have become smarter or higher IQs. I, I thought it was the opposite. Um, it, speaking of which, it's very, I, I tried, you know, I like to watch super old movies with less cuts because, you know, I, I like this difference and I like, of course, I also fall for like the very like uh, short-cutted videos that have a lot of variety in shortcuts. Uh, but I also enjoy, you know, like the camera on a long conversation just for 10 minutes yeah. and then before the scenery changes and stuff. 
So, but but I do it intentionally because I don't want to be. I don't. I I try to minimize my dop dopamine release mm. because I want to. You know, I, I kind of want to stay motivated, and that requires that you don't lose dopamine all the time, all day long, and you don't get dopamine overdoses. And a lot of these fast cuts are for dopamine release. Interesting. And the downside of that is, yeah, you 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 learn to process a lot of inf information. Yeah, that's that's true. But at the same time, you're getting addicted to that. Mm. And then you lose motivation to focus on anything like that's more boring. And you have to, so I'm trying to manage that as well. So, but, but yeah, for, but, but if you're, in, if you advertise, then you just shoot for the dopamine, of course. Yeah. And it's it, a it, one aspect of, you know, Please. Oh no! Please, I'm sorry. One aspect, yeah, the uh, the dopamine. That, yeah, yeah. So, so one aspect of this pattern interrupt mm. is you want to you want someone to have a dopamine spike. They have to look at your ad, and within the first three seconds, ideally, they release dopamine. That's super interesting. I never, I've never thought about it in you know physiological terms, but that must be what's happening. That's that's super interesting. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Um. So. I, I would be very curious, where do you, like, if you want to educate yourself or you want to keep yourself up to date, what's about new stuff in the advertising industry, um, what is it that you do to, you know, get your education and your information from? Yeah, I mean, to be honest, um, it's, there's so much information now that it's really hard to make sense of someone telling you one thing or the other thing. Um, I would mm -hmm. say two, two, two places. First of all, um, going back in time. So nothing, there's really humans are, we're humans. And, you know, like we're saying, things have changed, you know, visual processing, et cetera, et cetera. But fundamentally we're still humans with emotions and needs and everything else. So um, understanding you know, behavioral psychology, things like that. Um, reading books about that, reading books about, um, uh, about also advertising in the era where, you know, people are just figuring out that, you know, you could track some of these things on a, on a, on a broad scale. So, uh, my business partner, Brad is, he goes down these knowledge rabbit holes and I get to like, cherry pick the stuff that, you know, that he finds, which is super cool for me. Um, and so there's one book called truth in advertising, which is extremely good. And, mm -hmm. um, basically a lot of what has been released, you know, subsequently to that is subsequently, is that even the right word? After, <laughs> after that book was made, um, a, a lot of stuff is rehashed from that. So I definitely will look at that. Um, and then also, seeing what other people are doing. Um, we were talking to Peter Kell, who's a big video, video sales letter documentary. Oh yeah. I had them on the podcast you too. Did. I know the guy. He's a genius, right? He's amazing. And um, so, you know, he talks about this, the spy tools are where he gets like a lot of his research is just going and looking and seeing what other people are running. Cause they're, they're putting the money out there to do all this testing. And then he's getting to sort of see uh, what's working up to some extent what's not working. So, and then breaking those down, like 
like looking like we talked about earlier, mm. getting really um, just breaking down into elements and seeing what's what's happening for yourself, yeah. and you start to kind of start to internalize. Uh, so I think some some lessons that become intuition, and that doesn't mean that. <laughs> Uh, all your ads are going to be winners, but it's it's a different way of understanding what's going on. It's like if you've heard about hand copying, how people will like hand mm-hmm. copy uh, sales letters and things like that. Like I was, I used to work at Golden Hippo Media, which is a it's a big uh, direct response conglomerate these days. But mm-hmm. um, they would have us hand copy the Gary Halbert letter. So this is like the famous direct response legend Gary Halbert. Um, he wrote all these letters and all about direct response. He has this specific, very conversational way of, of, of writing. Talk, sounds like he's, it seems like he's there with you just having a chat over a beer. Um, and so internalizing these, these things is, is super important. Um, so going back to the classics, whether that's way back, you know, understanding like Claude Hopkins is, if you remember the, the scientific advertising guy, mm-hmm. this sort of Ogilvy era, measured branding type of space, you know, 1960s, super interesting. So truth in advertising, and then just um, looking at what people are doing now, but looking at it with your own eyes, seeing, you know, what's going on there and then testing it yourself. So I'd say those are like the four kind of areas, at least off the top of my head, um, that uh, are the best places to learn and just understanding, yeah, understanding humans. So understanding story, um, understanding psychology, behavioral psychology. So we're having a, we're having an event in, in Oxford University in August this year, our first live event. And so our keynote speaker is a guy named Rory Sutherland and he's the mm. uh, vice president of Ogilvy in the UK. And he has an amazing book called Alchemy um, talking mm-hmm. about basically, uh, you know, behavioral economics. And uh, that's a really interesting thing to look at too. So, uh, yeah, I mean, those are, those are, those are, are, are definitely things to look at. And then honestly, I would say maybe even more important is having conversations like this, where you talk to people, mm-hmm. other people who are out there doing stuff and you just start to hear, you know, you start to get a sort of spider sense of what's happening and, you know, ideas kind of cross pollinate between conversations. And then, um, yeah, so I think that's a lot of where the magic happens. So get, get, do conversations, start your own podcast, go to events, talk mm. to people. Um, that's incredibly important too. Yeah, and uh, and, and listen to this podcast. Yes, uh, Spencast, Spencast in particular. <laughs> yeah, Spencast.com uh, is a good one. We're yes. talking about stuff like that. Yeah, exactly. It's <laughs> great. Thank you. Thanks for all that uh, wisdom and insight. That, that's been amazing. Um, as a last question, how can people reach you if they want to work with you, use your service, become more successful with YouTube advertising, or just follow you? How can they do that? Yeah, so we have, a, like I said before, we have a free uh, YouTube ad library slash spy tool, you could say, called VidTao, so V-I-D-T-A-O dot com. And we, we publish a lot of what we do at our agency. Our agency is called Inceptly, uh, I-N-C-E-P-T-L-Y. And if you go there, you can set up a brainstorming call with us and we'll just kind of give you ideas and stuff to test on YouTube. Uh, it's not a sales call. It's just really a brainstorming call and take that info, run with it yourself. Mm-hmm. Just let us know how it goes, honestly. Um, 
So yeah, those are two the places we release what we do at Inseply. We release uh, in emails to our Vital people. So we have an email newsletter. We share a lot of the stuff that we're that we're doing, uh, what's working, what's not working, and then we're having a live event in Oxford in in August, August seventeenth. Uh, just go to live.vidtow.com. We're having we're so them mm-hmm. there. Peter Kell is going to be there. Um, a bunch mm-hmm. of other amazing uh, copywriters, marketers across the spectrum from direct response to bigger, like VC funded um, growth stage software companies, et cetera. It's a really cool mix and it's going to be fun. We're going to have a, you know, have a, have some fun in the pubs too there and uh, hopefully have an amazing time and, and do a lot of uh, knowledge sharing, like open laptop, helping people set up campaigns and mm-hmm. stuff. So, well, yeah, Vital is probably the best place and just, you can, if you send us an email there, Info at midtown.com. Um, myself or my co-founder, Brad, we'll, we'll get back to you and we love just having conversations with people. It's just fun to, fun to, to communicate. Awesome. Ian, thank you so much for taking the time. I really appreciate it. Thank you, Sven. It's been a pleasure. Thank you so much. I'm honored to be on your podcast. Um, honestly, I love what you're doing with Digistore. Uh, I've been fortunate to meet some of your team in person, like, like Tony and Alex, Kyle. Mm. Um, and I just really believe in how you support your, um, you know, your, your affiliates. And, um, yeah, I just see, see, see you folks making an amazing impact. So super, super happy to be associated and, uh, yeah, keep up the good work. So thank you so much. Thank you so much, Ian. Looking forward to next time. Awesome, Sven. Take care.